a great day for a podcast. Once again, here he is, John Oakley. Beth Havers is here, a.k.a. Aunt Beth, a.k.a. Whiskey Beth. You go by many monikers. Which do. do you prefer, Beth? <laughs> Tell me any of them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you about Whiskey Beth, because I hear, you know, your bona fides are pretty impressive. 20 years of experience in the spirits business. You've also had the opportunity to help create unique whiskeys, all while traveling the world, educating people on her favorite spirit. What is your favorite spirit? Whiskey. Of course it's whiskey. <laughs> it was a trick question. I wanted to start out with the lob balls. You know, if we really... Could you imagine? I was like, gin. Well, exactly. I'd say you're a poser. Yeah, you're a fake fraud. Get rid of her. Bring in the real Beth Havers. So how did you get into the whiskey business? Uh, I think the whiskey business, it actually happened just by accident. I was living in Scotland in the early 2000s and really got into drinking whiskey there, as uh -huh. you would. And then came back to Canada and started working within the industry. Um, initially, I was with Diageo, and then I moved over to Glenfiddich, and I was with Glenfiddich for almost about 10 years or so, um, and had a great opportunity there. And then during the pandemic, I started making cookies. I've always baked and uh, cooked with whiskey, so it's kind of a natural thing for me to do. And as everyone was baking their sourdough, I was just making my recipes with a, a little special twist. Whiskey cookies. <laughs> Whiskey cookies. On, oh, sorry. <laughs> Honestly, they're they're very delicious. Uh, uh -huh. The whiskey just really helps add some depth of flavor and character to it. Um, helps bring moisture, and they're quite unique. What whiskey do you use? So we use a variety uh, from single malts. We have a partnership with the Singleton, which is a beautiful single malt in Speyside. We also have a smoky single malt. Uh, so we make a cookie with Ardbeg. Uh, then we have a Canadian whiskey cookie, of course, with Canadian Club. Uh, we also have another one that we're bringing out with Stock and Barrel. We use uh, Jim Beam. We, there's... I'm trying to think of all the brands now. Rowan Co. Irish Whiskey, Jameson Irish Whiskey. We oh, use yeah. Jameson Coffee Whiskey. You've so, got, yeah, you've got it covered. You know, uh, it's interesting because you said you spent some time in Scotland. And uh, I believe it's the law there. You've got to have a wee dram uh, at least once a day before you go to bed or something, isn't it? It really is good for your health. <laughs> As so, are the cookies. Uh, okay. <laughs> but here's the thing, uh, Beth. I've often wondered if, uh, you know, this is a wine kind of question, but uh, you're being in Scotland, Speyside. Can you draw a distinction between between those whiskeys on your palate very easily? Yeah, um, especially with uh, the Isla whiskeys, because those are the ones that are traditionally peated. So they have like that smoky characteristic. Right. Uh, then in the Highlands and in Speyside, you're going to get more floral notes, um, honeyed notes, that sort of thing. Uh, they are often more approachable. Lowland whiskeys as well, quite approachable. But yeah, every region has its distinct flavor, which is quite unique. How would you distinguish between, say, the Scottish, uh, especially the single malts, and uh, Irish whiskey, which I'm a big fan of, as well as uh, Kentucky bourbon? Uh, so, very, they can, can be, there's similarities within all of them, um, but Irish whiskey is quite soft, very mm. approachable. It's a great gateway whiskey is what I call it. So it, it's got that uh, those nice kind of soft approachability to it. Um, 
bourbon is sweeter because it's made predominantly of corn. They have a law there. It needs to be 51% corn. So uh, those whiskeys often have a nice sweet kind of component to them. Scotch whiskeys, as I say, they can vary from region to region. And then in here in Canada, we have a great whiskey community um, and we have a great number of distilleries that are popping up, craft distilleries and that sort of thing. Um, and our, our style of whiskey is somewhere kind of in between all of it what i like to say right the best of everything right <laughs> different grains i guess right yep different grains just depending on what distillery uh a large part of corn rye as well what about the barrels now because uh obviously with modernization and technology they're going to like uh different kettles mm -hmm. uh and whether they're metal or what have you in the old day and, and some some places i don't have to tell you uh would import say the bourbon barrels from america and they would use those as the casks mm -hmm. in the Scottish whiskeys, wouldn't they? Actually, all everyone uses American oak barrels, like ex-bourbon barrels, because in their laws, bourbon has to be aged in a new barrel every single time. So they have an excess of these barrels, which are then shipped everywhere in the world because they still are giving off great flavor because about... 80% of the flavor and all of the color is derived in, from the oak in which it's aged. So bourbon barrels are responsible for about 90% of the barrels that are currently on the market. The rest are coming from the wine industry and fortified wine like sherry. Uh, but like you're seeing a lot of red wine casks happening now. Um, so the, yeah, there's you can use a wide variety, but bourbon barrels are the most common just because of sheer availability and they're made of really nice oak. They are, and sometimes you can taste the oak in the actual yeah. product, for sure. The other thing I was very, very fascinated one time having listened to uh, a talk from a spokesperson with Buffalo Trace in oh, Kentucky, yes. mm -hmm. and the Pappy Van Winkle line, which is a real premium uh, bourbon, but uh, he was saying in the warehouse itself, or I guess in the distillery, the climate is different from one end of the building to the other, mm -hmm. and it can alter the taste or the aging process for the distiller when they're sampling it and saying, uh, we're going to keep this one on the shelf. It's going to 15 or 22 years or whatever the case may be. Yep. Is it that delicate a process? Yeah, it, uh, there's the thing with uh, whiskey and whiskey aging, um, it's kind of half science, half magic. Because what happens in that barrel is kind of up to uh, the angels. They call it the angel share that are flying, all the angels that are flying around filtering whiskey from, from the barrels. But uh, there's also, um, as it ages, especially in Kentucky, you lose alcohol when it ages. So it, you're, you're losing your percentage of alcohol. It's going dis dissipating, dissipating um, in some some with some casks and in other casks it actually elevates they lose the water before they use lose the alcohol so every cask is completely unique and it's totally up to that master blender to decide what the fortune and fate of that cask will be yeah it's real science as i can see and uh the cadre of younger people coming up it's even becoming more scientific isn't it oh yeah there's tons of technology now involved in whiskey ma making that was definitely not um around say a hundred years ago but uh there's still like the passion and in the craft of distilling um i think is really what rings true for everybody who's making whiskey so i think you have kind of have to have both the science and and the passion for it well you're passionate about it and you're an expert <laughs> in the field and you've uh used your knowledge of whiskey as well as your uh taste for it in your cooking 
Yeah, yeah. So basically, the flavor profiles that are in naturally occurring in whiskey uh, really do help lend themselves to either baking or cooking. We also make a barbecue sauce that's absolutely delicious uh, with Canadian whiskey. So there's def- definitely a whole wide range of things that you can make with whiskey. Certain products end up being a little bit better than the others, and that's the, those are the recipes that we've gone to, but we certainly have had a lot of failures <laughs> along the way. Well, it's trial and error. Exactly. Right? Delicious fa- failures, but uh, they ended up end up getting eaten no matter what. <laughs> there you go. I understand that impulse. Aunt Beth Bakes. Beth Havers, a.k.a. Aunt Beth, a.k.a. Whiskey Beth, uh, really a pleasure to have you join us this afternoon at the Riverdale Farm. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been really lovely chatting, and I'll bring you over some cookies. Can't hurt me. Yeah, there you go. Everybody's hanging around for that. Very good. That's a promise. Uh, we'll see Absolutely. you. We'll see you shortly. The wind is a howling as we oh continue on live from the Riverdale Farm. It's the Oakley Show on location. Listen to the John Oakley Show live each weekday afternoon from 3 until 6. If you live in the Toronto area, just turn that AM dial to 640 and listen anywhere on earth 24 hours a day by going to 640toronto.com. Follow on Twitter at AM640Oakley. You've been listening to A Curious Cast. New podcasts and shows are debuting all the time. So check back often to see what's new in the Curious Cast Library.